0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Vox Tablet, the podcast of Tablet Magazine. I'm your host, Sarah Ivory. Today, we're riding the rails. So I'm just back from maternity leave, and I'm very happy to be here. Regular podcast listeners know that in my absence... Vox Tablet featured stories from a rotation of reporters, including a series on Hidden Jerusalem by longtime contributor Daniel Estrin. Daniel's based in Jerusalem, and last year he reported a story about the city's then-brand-new light rail system. It's a transit system that bridges political, religious, and economic divides in a place where even street names can be contentious. What Daniel found is, above all, the transit system unifies Jerusalemites in a seeming love of kvetching. This week, we found out that Daniel Estrin won an award from the Society of Professional Journalists for this particular podcast on the light rail system. So, to celebrate this great piece of reporting and one of our treasured correspondents, we're very pleased to rerun it. Here's Daniel.
1: The light rail is, for sure, a beautiful thing to behold. Just ask this guy.
2: Well, my name is Nadav Meroz. I'm the managing director of Jerusalem Transportation Master Plan Team. We are sitting in Jaffa Street, right in the middle of the city center. We are sitting in the light rail just uh, inside one of the stops. First of all, it is very beautiful. It has a very modern shape. Uh, When it moves just near the old city walls, you can see the old the history of Jerusalem near the newest system in the world. You can sit and see everything. I can see the passengers, they can see me, they can see the beautiful landscape and the beauty of the city center. You know, we have one accident when a tourist from Ethiopia went just in the pedestrian street and he saw the light rail and he was running towards this train, crashing into it. He's okay now, but it was nice to see that he was excited by this means of transportation.
1: It's true that the train has been met with some excitement. But since it was conceived of over a decade ago, it's also had its share of detractors. Many, many detractors. The Israeli government approved the tram in the late 90s. The idea was to better accommodate a city that largely relies on public transport. Jerusalem is one of Israel's poorest cities, and many people here can't afford cars. Jerusalem's population is also growing fast partly thanks to high birth rates in the city's Arab and ultra-Orthodox Jewish communities. And the government said it needed a better transit system to transport all those people. At the time the light rail was approved, Jerusalem was enjoying a period of relative peace. Soon after, though, the Second Intifada, the Palestinian Uprising, erupted. And from 2000 till about 2005, Jerusalem was hit hard by suicide bombers, especially along this road, Jaffa Road. Despite the violence, the government stuck with its plans, and in 2007, after the bombings had mostly stopped, the engineers broke ground. Construction did not go smoothly, About everything went wrong. The cement cracked, the tracks were installed backwards, roads got clogged, Jerusalemites were outraged, and so was the mayor. At one point, he threatened to cancel the whole project. Meanwhile, there was an international uproar about the route of the rail. It winds through disputed parts of Jerusalem, which the Palestinian Authority wants for a future state, but which Israel vows will always remain a part of Israel's capital. One French company backed out of the project halfway through because of a Palestinian lawsuit. The UN Human Rights Council spoke out against the rail, too. Finally, 11 years after the plans were first approved... And about a billion and a half dollars later the light rail made its maiden voyage the ride certainly feels better than what jerusalemites have been used to the seats are soft and molded for orthopedic comfort the train almost glides through the city not at all like the accordion buses here which charge down hills like runaway roller coasters and jaffa road looks better than ever the facades of the buildings have been cleaned Café tables dot the sidewalk all along the tracks. It almost looks like Europe. In other ways, though, the whole light rail ordeal continues to be a very bumpy ride. Commuters recently slapped a class-action lawsuit on the rail operators, accusing transit police of harassing passengers and handing out large fines. Commuters also complain about tram delays and broken ticketing machines, though the operator promises those kinks are being worked out. Sometimes the light rail simply doesn't run, Once, a fire near the tracks shut down the entire nine-mile route. Other times, guards have found suspicious packages, or potential bombs, on the tracks, which also shut down the entire train system. Even when the train is running smoothly, it crosses some of the most charged borders of the city.
3: It's not very pleasant to drive here.
1: I met David Felber on his early morning commute to work. He boards the train near his house in Pisgat Zaev. It's in an area that Israel annexed after the 1967 war. And it's a part of the city that Palestinians want for the capital of a future independent state.
3: I live in Pisgat Zaev, which is the biggest neighborhood in Jerusalem and maybe in the entire country. But we live in, in near uh, Arab uh, neighborhoods, uh, just like Bet Hanina, which we are passing
1: right now there is a station, two or three stations in, in those uh, Arab neighborhoods. Israeli buses stopped going through these neighborhoods in the 80s when the first Palestinian uprising broke out and Israeli passengers were attacked with rocks and Molotov cocktails. A new highway was built that completely bypasses these Arab neighborhoods so the Jewish residents of Pisgat could avoid them on their way to downtown Jerusalem. The highway isn't prohibited to Arabs per se, but it connects Jewish Pisgat with the center of the city, skirting the Arab neighborhoods. And this place was uh, only for
3: Arabs for the last uh, 20 years. No one needed to pass through here, although along the years it's now been less dangerous, maybe, or more calm. But, uh, but now, uh, actually, we are forced to pass here. We don't have the choice that we used to have. People dressed like Arabs, people feel like Arabs, people uh, behave so some of them are very friendly and some are not, and uh, you don't want to find those which are not, especially if you're a young girl coming back from uh, the center of town after uh, hanging around until uh, uh, 10 or 11 at night. It's not pleasant to go back when you feel alone in, uh, in such
1: place. Felber's fears came true in March. A young Israeli woman, a soldier, was riding the rail when it pulled into a station in an Arab neighborhood. A Palestinian man got on, rode a bit, and then stabbed her. She spent a few days in the hospital. And then there are reports of Palestinian riders hassled on the train. A few weeks after the stabbing, police arrested two Israelis suspected of attacking a young Palestinian rider with a wooden board, injuring him lightly.
3: The route was chosen by Bain by engineers that don't use the train. They sat in, a, uh, in their uh, air-conditioned offices wherever. If they had to use it, I'm sure they wouldn't have chosen this uh, route. Even if they thought to give the feeling of united Jerusalem, I don't think it's, uh, it's right. I think people can choose when to feel united and when to feel separated. To me, does it make any sense that you are forced to be united where you don't feel like?
1: Light rail representatives have insisted all along that there's nothing political about the route of the train. The only consideration, they tell me, was to maximize the number of passengers who ride it. Arabs and ultra-Orthodox Jews are big public transportation users, they say, so that's why the train passes through their neighborhoods. But there are critics who say no matter how you look at the map, the train tracks cement Israel's hold on a large chunk of disputed land. I went to a large mosque right outside a train stop in Arabis, Jerusalem. And I asked the sheikh if he was concerned about these facts on the ground. And actually, he was concerned with something else entirely. He pointed out the window to the parking lot in the back of the mosque. It was completely full. There was no room for his congregants to park.
4: People come here with their cars, park in the parking lot, and ride the train to work.
2: It shouldn't be this way. They
1: the sheikh introduces me to his
4: cousin, who's from the neighborhood. You know, it's a beautiful. It's, it looks nice to have a train going through the middle of the town. And, uh, and it's nice that they planted all the trees and the plants. However, if you go down to the, to the streets that are not on the train, you can see that the, the rubbish is in the roads. Even though everyone's paying taxes, they're not getting their uh, streets cleaned. There's no sidewalks when I go to West Jerusalem, I have a hard time walking on a sidewalk because i don't I'm not used to walking on a sidewalk i'm walk I'm used to walking in the street. Nobody built sidewalks for us you know
1: i I met someone yesterday, a Jewish man and who lives in Peacegadzev. And he said that um, he feels scared when he takes the train through uh, the Arab neighborhoods, through Bet Hanina, Shuafat, because he's afraid that um, people here will throw rocks at the car, or if the train stops, he feels uncomfortable.
4: Well, I mean, uh, I understand his fear, because uh, during the Intifada, when the uh, buses of EGIT, the EGIT company used to come through here, and there was an Intifada, there was rocks thrown at the buses. Well, I know the nature of the the Israelis and the Jewish people and their history, their history of the Holocaust, history of uh, being in Europe and discriminated against, and their fear of even the... The Great Plague uh, was blamed on the Jews when it came from rats, you know. And I understand their history, and I understand the the way they feel.
1: What have you felt on the, on the train?
4: Uh, I felt a, a little bit of discomfort. You know, you start feeling, am I guilty of anything when you're not guilty of anything? You know, you're just getting on the train. That's unfortunately the, the fault of uh, some people that have taken the politics into killing people that are innocent on buses. And I, I, I completely wish that never happened, but it did, and, uh, but we have to deal with it. These people that have done that are sick people. We're not, we're not those people.
1: I take the train back to West Jerusalem, near the outdoor market. Nearby is Nahlaot, one of the first neighborhoods Jews built outside the old city walls more than a hundred years ago. Dvorah Avidan works at a community center in the neighborhood. She's its resident historian of sorts. She collects old photos of the neighborhood's first residents from the 1800s. To get to work, she takes the bus to the train, rides the train up Jaffa Road, gets off two stops later and walks to work. She does a lot of thinking about Jerusalem what it used to be and what it is today.
0: Jerusalem's mentality is more suited to horses and buggies and not a light
2: rail. Jerusalem
0: is like French cheese. French cheese has mold, and that's what gives it its quality. The same in Jerusalem. There is a kind of mold here that makes this city special. Modernity isn't exactly built for it. The more modern parts of Jerusalem are concealed, are hidden inside it, inside its folds. There's something nice about something that's old.
1: It's true, old is nice. But let's face it, new is kind of nice too. Jerusalem's light rail is still a limited and by no means flawless operation, but it does offer riders a smooth, scenic way of crossing territory that for years was a major headache. For those who fear that the train will fundamentally change Jerusalem's character, well, rest assured, just because there's a new tram in town doesn't mean Jerusalem's noise and crowds have disappeared. Especially when it arrives after a long delay, which happens a lot. The masses squeeze inside. Everyone starts to complain that they're stuffing us in here like sardines. A few months ago, I got on a crowded train. A guy behind me said, ''It's like the Holocaust in here.'' And then a young ultra-Orthodox Jewish woman with a large stroller pushed her way inside. She looked like a new mother. She picked up her baby from the carriage and handed it over to a complete stranger. He was a secular Israeli in his late 20s who hadn't shaved in a few days. Then the mother tried to collapse the stroller. She couldn't figure out how to do it. Everyone around her pitched in trying to help. No, fold it this way. There's got to be a lever here somewhere. And all the while, the stranger was holding the baby and just staring at it with the biggest grin. And I thought to myself, this is Jerusalem. It's crowded and noisy and full of arguments. That's frustrating for people in this city who just want to live their lives, who just want a quiet commute to work, who don't want to worry about their kids being attacked on their way home, or about looking suspicious. But as anxious as life is here, there's something comforting knowing that we're all crammed onto this train car together, and that when times are tense, a complete stranger could hand you her baby. And for a few precious moments, it seems like everyone's in this together.
0: Reporter Daniel Estrin is based in Jerusalem. He's just won a 2012 award for digital audio from the Society of Professional Journalists. We wish him a very hearty congratulations. And if you want to hear more great pieces from Daniel, go to our website, tabletmag.com. You can listen to all of them. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivory. I'm so glad to be back, and I look forward to being with you again next week.